0: And so this morning, we're starting a new series called Rooted, and we're going to be looking at some of the foundations of the faith over the course of the next four weeks. We're going to be looking this morning at our mission, which is that we might be a people who share together in the life of Christ by loving God and loving neighbor. Next week, we're going to look at what the gospel is. What is the gospel? And, and while many of us can probably articulate simply what the gospel is, we want to really dig into it and, and, and really look at what do the scriptures teach us about the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to spend two weeks looking at the church. What is the church and what does it mean to be a member of the local church? So with that, we are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning, verses 7 through 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. So if you do have a Bible, I would encourage you to take a look with us. So, So 30 years ago, Captain Hook said to Peter Pan, Prepare to die, Peter. To which he replied, To die will be a great adventure. Hook responded, Death is the only adventure you have Left. If you haven't seen Hook, which came out 30 years ago, you should see Hook. It's one of my favorite movies, and I think it's one of my kids' favorite movies as well. To Die will be a great adventure. I'm not, I'm not sure I fully understood that scene when I was nine years old. And to be honest, I don't know if the writers fully understood what they were saying when they wrote that into the script. What's so adventurous about death? Why is the human race so fascinated with this idea of death? Even recently, Disney put out a movie called Soul where they explore different views of death, and, and they're not biblical views of death. It's an entertaining movie to say the least, but it's, it's not a biblical view of death. But what do we know about death? What do we know? We do know that death is life's greatest enemy. Death is life's greatest enemy. And death, while common, is Completely unnatural. Death is unnatural. And that might be confusing for us to hear because everybody dies, right? You know, no one gets out of this place alive. Nobody does. But it's actually an incredibly unnatural and sub-human thing. This thing is driving me insane. I don't know if you've noticed me just playing with my ear. Okay. See, death enters the story in Genesis chapter 3 after creation. So death was not built into the creation story. It comes after. And that's why it is unnatural. And while it was not the desired goal for humanity, it is the very thing that God used to rescue us. Death is the very thing that God used to rescue us. And it is the means through which he calls us to bear witness to him. And that's where we're heading this morning. Like I said, we're beginning a new series where we will look at some of the foundations of the Christian faith. And specifically, how those foundations are lived out here at Redeemer Fellowship. So like I said, we're going to look at our mission. We're going to look at the gospel. We're going to look at the church. We're going to look at church membership. And this morning, we are looking at our mission. And this idea of mission, when we talk about mission, it's 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 implied that we're talking about the future. We're talking about where we're headed as a church, but also we do need to reflect on where we've been. And so where have we been, right? For the last 10 months, we've kind of been in survival mode. I'm not sure if you've noticed. Along with everyone on the planet, we've been in survival mode. But in the midst of that survival and the pain we've endured as a church, we've also seen so much good come out of this season. As our call to unity produced fruit in the life of our church. We had weekly Facebook live Bible studies and prayer times where we were able to come alongside one another and hear one another's burdens. We had our outdoor services under the tent. We had our book study that met right here in the sanctuary. Family nights outside by the fire. Getting back into the building and into the sanctuary for Sunday mornings. That was such an exciting moment for us as a church. Advent. And all we were able to accomplish together as a body, things like Operation Christmas Child and gathering over 1,000 pounds of food for the people's pantry right here in Tom's River. These were powerful moments for us as a church. Because aside from COVID, we experienced a lot of loss this last year. But if the scriptures are true, and I believe they are, suffering, loss, and even death are the means by which God is renewing creation. And it is the means by which he draws us near to him, both individually and collectively, as the body of Christ. And so I chose this text this morning because of how beautifully and how plainly it spells out our mission as a church. We will see how God uses death, both the death of Christ and the suffering of his followers, to bring about new creation life. So let me read our text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. It says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So let's take a look at what we're dealing with. So verse 7, but, the verse starts with the word but. We're going to teach a little hermeneutics this morning. What are hermeneutics? That's basically the science of studying the Bible. When you see words like but or however or therefore, you have to ask yourself a question. What's the point? Why is that there? Why is this transition word here, but? And that means you have to look back a little bit. You have to check out the context. You can't find the answer in this verse. You have to go back a little bit. So the context. Paul tells us in verse six, what? For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Paul tells us in verse six that God revealed himself to us, that he took us from light to darkness, giving us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of King Jesus. In other words, he saved us he saved us. Now right there, that's unbelievable. The fact that Jesus decided to look down on creation, the very creation that turned its back on him, and he stepped into it. We talked about it over the last number of weeks during Advent. He stepped into it so that he might rescue us, honestly, from ourselves. Because we were the ones that decided to run after the things of this world. We were the ones who allowed ourselves to be deceived. And he steps into that mess to save us. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And it's a glorious thing. It's a glorious thing that these earthen vessels that Paul refers to us, these jars of clay, these regular sort of things that were used in households, That he decides, those are the things I want to make glorious. Those are the things I want to make beautiful. Those are the things I want to raise up and make wonderful. We were singing this morning about the resurrection and how God brings people to life. He raises them from the dead. And I've said this before. Every time that we utter a word about the resurrection, when we sing about the resurrection, I, I have to fight tears back because it's, it's so marvelous to me. It's so incredible that we are one day going to be raised to new life, that those who we've lost, those who died in Christ, that they are going to be raised to new life in the same way Jesus, three days after his death, was raised to new life. Because the enemy, death, is being crushed under the feet of King Jesus. And actually, the Bible says that the enemy will be crushed under our feet, which is a whole bizarre thing that we're not going to get into right now. But this is the glory of the gospel, that death is defeated. And and throughout this past year, we've seen death daily, constantly in our Twitter feeds, our Facebook feeds, on the news, CNN, Fox, whatever you watch. It's death, chaos, suffering. And the Bible promises us that Jesus is going to ultimately eradicate all of that. That's good news. That's good news. And so he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not us. And so yes, he saves us, which he tells us in verse six. And then he takes it a step further. Not only does he save us, but he deposits this glory, this wonder, this treasure, into this mess that he calls a jar of clay, which is you and I. We are these jars of clay. And then, and 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 this is really interesting. Why does he do this? It says we have these treasures in jars of clay. Why? to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. There's a purpose for this deposit. See, he wants the world to see that, that my church, while it is glorious in, in its own strange way, they're meant to reflect my glory. They're meant to show you what I'm like. That's why he uses these Broken vessels, these these earthen vessels. So let's actually dig into that a little bit. What is a jar of clay? If you've grown up in Christianity, there was a band called Jars of Clay back in the 90s. If you know that at all, um, we're not talking about the band. We're talking about this particular text. And so, so I want. I was I was wrestling with this idea. What is a jar of clay? What is an earthen vessel? One commentator says it implies something fragile inferior and expendable, an everyday utensil, an everyday utensil. This is not the fine china or the silverware passed down from generations past. That's not what this is. This is that piece of Tupperware stained from the microwave where maybe you've heated up some tomato soup for 45 seconds too long. Maybe it's missing a handle or it has a chip in the spout. The measurements are faded and impossible to read, and, and you wonder why it's still in your cabinet, but you're probably never going to throw it away. How many of you have a vessel like that in your cabinet? I'm literally describing a very specific Tupperware that is still in my mother's cabinet that I used to use every day after school to heat up soup for myself because I would have lunch at school and then I would have second lunch when I got home and then I would have dinner for some reason I thought that was what I was supposed to do just anyway but that's what we're dealing with these everyday sort of items that that really aren't much to look at and, and what I'm saying is that you all aren't much to look at okay and myself included we're not much to look at but but. But God's doing something, right? God's doing something. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing, the surpassing power belongs to God. I think it's really interesting to show you something cool that the Bible does, right? So in chapter 4, verse 7, it talks about this like, these broken vessels, this, this Tupperware, right? The, the kind of stuff that has like little burn marks on it. But then, go down to chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You see what's going on there? You see what Paul's doing? Paul's like, right now, you guys are a broken mess, but you have me. So keep on moving forward with that treasure, showing the world that treasure. But one day, that earthen vessel, that jar of clay is going to be restored, and it's going to be that fine china, that heavenly dwelling, you are going to experience glory at some point. And while we do have a foretaste of that glory as we live this life, it's, it's, it's not fully realized yet. And we know that, right? Those of us who wake up in the morning and, and we feel that pain in our body or, or as we're getting older, we're, we're starting you know, to experience different sorts of, of physical things that we've never experienced before because the body does waste away. But God promises that he's going to restore our physical bodies. See, when we go to heaven, we're not just going to be floating on clouds playing harps. That's not the end of the story. See, the end of the story is that we are going to be in the new heavens and new earth, a physical place, a physical place. And so while we have these jars of clay right now, those jars of clay are being restored into this heavenly tent that we'll one day be dwelling in, that we'll one day be sharing as as we look to Christ who, who possesses that glorified body now. And so that's where this story is heading. But let's continue looking at what this text tells us. See, David Garland, New Testament scholar, he says, in this age... Treasure is stored and carried in earthen pots, in jars of clay, in broken, dirty, stained Tupperware. This is the age of broken Tupperware. That's what we're dealing with. And so what's the point? See, humility is not something we necessarily strive to achieve, but rather it is the acknowledgement of the reality of who we are right? Humility is not something we're like hoping, oh, one day I hope I'm humble. No, no, no. I hate to break it. You all are humble. Maybe you just don't realize it yet. But we're all humble. We're all nothing. God is just progressively showing us how humble we are, which is the nearer we get to Christ, the more we are able to see who we are. And that's what Paul is kind of wrestling with here. That's what Paul is getting at here. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So so this brokenness that we experience as the body of Christ, it is meant for something. It is meant to, to show the world something about God. It is meant to show the world that there is something else That there is something more profound, something more beautiful that we ought to be looking toward. Namely, Jesus and the good news that he is king. And in him we have the forgiveness of sins. This is where this text is driving at. And why do I choose a text like this to talk about our mission that we are to share together in the life of Christ by loving God and loving neighbor? Because this is the sort of thing we need to embody as a church. And I think we we are making those moves. We are, as a body, pushing in that direction, that we are to remember who we are. And when we talk about sharing in the life of Christ, we mean that we are sharing in the life of the, the earthly King Jesus as he walked in his own earth suit, as one of my um, Bible school professors used to call it, as he walked through this earth, a regular man, a God man, but, but frail, experiencing weakness, experiencing suffering, and ultimately experiencing death on the cross. And he calls us to share in that. He calls us to share in that. And so the text goes on, verses 8 through 10. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So this power and glory that we possess, it doesn't shield us from suffering. Right? So something was deposited into this jar of clay. That's the good news of King Jesus. The glory that was probably similar to the glory that Moses experienced when he was on the mountain with God. It's deposited into us, but that deposit does not shield us from suffering. In fact, it leads us right into suffering. It leads us right into suffering. Look at what it says. It says, in every way. In some ways, in like a few ways, In like two or three ways or every way? In every way. In every way, we are afflicted. We are crushed, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. And so, so there is this, this confusion that sometimes we experience as followers of Jesus. We're not shielded from that. As we look around the world and we see the chaos that is, that is enveloping so much of what, of what we experience in this life, that's not crazy for us to think, what is going on, Lord? What's happening? How many of you over the last 10 months kind of looked up at God and said, What in the world is going on? What is happening? See, those sorts of doubts and confusions, those are not foreign to us as followers of Jesus. But while we might be perplexed, we are not driven to despair. We're not hopeless. And so that means what we offer to this world when we talk about our mission, what we offer to this world is hope. We offer hope. A real, tangible hope in the person and work of King Jesus. So while we might be confused, we are not driven to despair. While we might be persecuted for our faith, God will never forsake us. He will never turn his back on us. While we might be struck down and beaten and and humiliated for our faith, we are not destroyed. We are not obliterated. But see, the faithfulness of our God keeps us. It keeps us. And so we offer that wonder and majesty to this watching world. We offer that, and we must always remember that we are these jars of clay. And what do these jars of clay do? Well, it tells us in verse 10 that these jars of clay carry in the body the death of Jesus it car- we carry in our bodies the death of Jesus. Why? So that. Here's another purpose clause. We carry the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in the body. So there's a twofold point here. See, Paul sets for us an example in that he lives his life with the cross of Christ on his lips at all times, ready to proclaim the good news of King Jesus in whatever context he finds himself. It's there all the time. In season and out of season, he is ready to talk about Jesus. I wrestle with this, and I'm sure many of you wrestle with this. I'm not ready all the time to talk about King Jesus. Often my mind is elsewhere. Often I'm distracted by what's going on in my life, by what's going on in my family, by what's going on in in our church. I'm distracted. I'm not ready to proclaim King Jesus. But Paul sets an example for us. The cross of Christ is always on his lips. He carries it around in his body, and he's calling us to do likewise. But a second point, and also in being that available witness, as Paul was, he consistently finds himself suffering on behalf of Christ, which is what this whole sharing together in the life of Christ looks like. So what's the point? The death of Christ which we carry around in our own bodies and the suffering that we endure for the sake of the gospel is the means by which resurrection life is ushered into the lives of others. It is the means by which resurrection life is ushered into the life of others. We are the mouthpieces of God. We are the mouthpieces of God. And our words and our lives reflect our King. Our words and our lives reflect our King. And that's what we've been called to. And as we live out that calling, we will experience pain. That is a guarantee that the scriptures give to us. It's a guarantee. But, but Redeemer, that's, that's a glorious pain. That's the sort of pain that the apostles rejoiced over, that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. That's the sort of thing that God is calling us to. And when we talk about sharing together in the life of Christ, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about participating in his death so that others might live and ultimately so that we might live. Because all of us need to die. We, we need to experience two deaths in this life. We need to die to our former selves, our sinful selves, and be raised up to new life, born again. And then ultimately we need to die our physical death. But it's the second death that Jesus saves us from that Revelation talks about. We are spared from the second death, and our hope is that we would be a people who proclaim that good news so that others might also be spared from the second death that is promised to those who are outside of Christ. This is our mission. This is what we have been called to as the body of Christ. And there's no way around it. And in fact, if we are not okay with this calling to pick up our cross, this calling to suffer on behalf of Christ, then we are not okay with the message of Christianity. Then we're not okay with the gospel. And I'm not saying that to to browbeat anybody. That's not my goal this morning. In fact, I I see in our church those desires. I see those actions taking place. I hear of stories of people providing meals, sacrificing time, entering into difficult situations, who's working at which soup kitchen, who's working at which um, food pantry, who's engaged in in the open-door pregnancy center and, and engaging difficult situations. We are doing these things, and now this year, our hope is that we would come together and do them as a church. And we've seen little bits and pieces of that throughout Advent as the Bowers led us in Operation Christmas Child and and Dawn and Ruth helped us with the people's pantry, getting our feet kind of ready to jump into what God might have for us this year. And so, yes, sharing together in the life of Christ is a call to sacrifice and die so that others might live, right? To die to our expectations, to die to our wants and desires, to die to our own visions of what the good life ought to look like, to sacrifice our time and resources so that others might be lifted up, to sacrifice our reputations so that others might hear the good news of King Jesus. Life from death is the pattern of redemption. That is the pattern of redemption. And it is the calling that God has placed upon our lives. And as a church, we share together in the life of Christ when we love God. And we love God when we sacrificially love our neighbors. 2020 was a year of survival and defense. And our hope as an elder team is that 2021 will be a year of offense, a year of mission, a year where we begin getting our hands dirty for the sake of the gospel. We're actually, we are working on some things. There, there are things in the works. How can we connect further with Open Door Pregnancy Center? We are actively engaged in that right now. I've, I had a call with, with um, another pastor who sits on the board of Open Door Pregnancy Center, and there's an incredible opportunity that I'm learning more about where, where we can actually have people people adopting families, in a sense, and caring for, for these women who are having children in, in crisis pregnancy situations to walk alongside those women during these difficult times. So that's an opportunity that I'm trying to understand more about and see how we can jump in on that. In what ways can we continue serving our local food pantries? I'm already talking with Don Moore to figure out, are there ways we can not just give during the holidays, but actually jump in and get our hands dirty throughout the course of the year? I know Robert and Nancy are involved in a, in a specific ministry right now as well, that they're, they're involved in getting their hands dirty and caring for people in need. And how can we come together as a church? And, and so we're having these conversations. And, and my prayer is that these conversations would become action sooner than later. And so we're building these structures. We're trying to figure this stuff out. What will discipleship look like moving forward at Redeemer Fellowship? I have things written all over my whiteboard in my office trying to figure out how we can put together those structures so we can be a church that is participating in these things, that is active in our community, that is showing the world what God is like, that is showing the world what God is like. And how can we not only care for the surrounding community but continue caring for one another right here in our midst? this is the calling that Jesus places upon our lives. Our mission is not some, you know, foreign idea. This is a very thoroughly biblical thing. I want to continue reading this text. It says in verse 11, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that In the life of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Another hermeneutics lesson. When you see those words like, so that, that's a purpose clause. That's basically telling you, this thing I just said, the reason for that thing is this. The reason for that thing is this. So let's take a look at that verse again. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So those of us, that's us, we who live, we who live in Christ, we who have put our faith in King Jesus, as we live our lives, we're being given over to death. We're being given over to suffering, to the cross, to to bearing the burdens of others. Why? Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh so that we actually reflect resurrection to this world so that we actually, by our actions, by our words, show the world that King Jesus is not dead anymore, that the tomb is empty. That's why we carry around this body of death with us. That's why we bear our cross, because the cross we bear is empty. It's empty because Jesus rose from the dead. And so our mission is to make the world know that, is to make that known so that people might come to faith, so that lives might be restored. This is what we're about as a church. This is what it means to share together in the life of Christ by loving God and loving neighbor. We share in that work. We participate in that work. We are brought into union with God when we live out our faith. We get closer to God when we live out our faith. That's how it works. Yes, we get closer to God through prayer and Bible study, 100%. We get closer to God when we come together as a church and we worship him and we hear his word proclaimed, 100%. We also get closer to God when we live out our faith, when we enter into the mission of God, when we tell other people about his death, burial, and resurrection we get closer to god when we engage in the hard work of caring for the physical needs of others we have a robust diaconate and benevolence team that regularly is caring for needs i get to hear that from debbie on a regular basis what the diaconate's doing and what and what is happening through our benevolence team and it's and it's wonderful things are happening in this church and we need to continue cultivating that That's what I'm excited for as we enter into this new year. That's what I am am aiming towards as we enter into this new year. No one can tell us that we did not have a difficult 2020. And the world had a difficult 2020, but Redeemer Fellowship had a difficult 2020. But God brings life from death. God brings glory from the darkness. God restores those who have suffered. This is the promise of the scripture. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, Redeemer Fellowship. God is doing something. And and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know exactly what God is doing because we don't know exactly what God is doing, but he is placing pieces in their respective spaces so that we might walk in the good works that God has prepared beforehand. We talked about that a few months back when we went through the book of Ephesians. And he's doing it. He's putting pieces together. Unlikely pieces, things that we wouldn't have even thought of. And I'm excited. I'm I'm especially, I can't wait to figure out more about this Open Door Pregnancy Center opportunity because I want to share that so badly with all of you and give you guys the opportunity to get involved in that. And I'm still working on it. I want to share something that I don't fully understand yet because that would just be irresponsible. But once I fully understand it, I'm going to share it with you. But anyway, sometimes I say things. I'm like, what am I saying? Um, so anyway, as we close this morning, I don't want to keep us here too long. And as we come to the table this morning, as we remember and proclaim the death of Christ, we come remembering that the death of Christ is the very death we have all been called to. So let us come with an eye toward those who are not only perishing physically but also spiritually that we could be a light amid the darkness. The Christ candle is still lit because the church calendar extends the season of Christmas till January 6th and so the candle is still lit to remind us that the light of Jesus is present in this dark world. And that he has given us that light as his church to be the means by which that light is reflected to a lost and dying world. And so, yes, we have to keep our eye towards those who are not only perishing physically, but also spiritually. Let us come with people on our hearts whom we're praying for, who have not yet submitted themselves to King Jesus. People who are struggling during this time that we might be a source of hope and encouragement for them. Who comes to your mind when I say those words? And I'm not asking you to call those names out. But who are the people that come to your mind? I already have a number of people coming to my mind. Those who are far from God. Those who need to experience and hear the good news of King Jesus. I want you to reflect on those people. I want us to spend the next minute in silence as we prepare our hearts to receive communion this morning, that you would be praying for those individuals and not just praying for those individuals, but praying for opportunities to proclaim the good news to those individuals, praying for the courage to step out in faith, to engage in those relationships. As we saw Dave Taranova kind of telling us about his story and how he's using those gifts that God gave him, reflecting on what are the gifts that God has given you, those, those special creative things that, that you possess, that, that you can use for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Let's spend a minute in silence, reflecting on that before we go to prayer, and before we go to communion this morning.